Hello and welcome to this special Innovation Forum podcast. I'm Ian Welsh. We're going to be publishing some of the highlights from our spring event series over the coming weeks. At Innovation Forum's recent Sustainable Apparel and Textiles Conference, my colleague Toby Webb was joined by Anurai Gupta, Managing Director at Usha Yarns, and Madeleine Michel, Social Conscious Communications Officer at Toast. They discussed how to overcome the barriers to circularity and in particular how companies can facilitate and simplify recycling infrastructure to persuade companies to take part. We join the session as Toby is inviting Madeline to make some opening comments. Well, tell us briefly about yourself and Toast and then I'm going to, once you've just done a bit of an intro, just for you know a minute or so, I'll pass over to Anurag and we'll get into talking about Usha and then we'll come back to you. But just give us the one okay. minute. Yeah, sure. So for those who um, aren't familiar with Toast, we're a medium-sized lifestyle brand um, creating and curating, if you like, simple, functional and beautiful clothing. Um, So that's women's wear and men's wear, as well as homeware and then also editorial content um, on our online magazine. Craft and longevity are really what's at the core of what we do. And we've always really championed a slow um, and considered way of life. Anurag, uh, tell us about Usha and then let's talk about your contribution to building a circular economy and supply chain in India before we hear more about uh, Toast from Madeline. So Anurag, welcome. Uh, tell us about Usha Yarns. Thank you, Toby. Hello, everyone. I am Anurag and uh, Managing Director Usha Yarns out here in India. We've been doing recycled yarns for about 12 years now and we've been doing spinning for about 25 years. And uh, what we do is we recycle industrial, post-industrial cuttings back into yarn. Now that is something which I guess everybody would know. It's mechanical recycling and back into yarn. So what is special about Usha? Uh, We have been doing this for 12 years now. And over the years, we've been able to bring the quality of mechanically recycled cotton yarn to a level where we can promise all kind of compliances on the cotton yarn side, which was not, which not easy actually. I mean, the, the brands have started accepting it because uh, uh, we are now able to promise uh, chemical compliance. We are able to promise traceability. We are able to promise color consistency. We are able to promise lot sizes. So it is easy for a brand to accept a recycled cotton yarn. And Usha is probably leading this change in India where a lot of brands, a lot of exporters have become our customers and they are ready to put out garments made out of recycled yarn on their shelves across the world. That's what we do, to put it in a short explanation. Thank you. Um, and we just heard in the previous session from Stephen uh, Bethard Bank how much recycled content is going to be necessary considering the 50% growth from, I think, a 2020 baseline the apparel industry is looking at by 2030. Um, so what do you need? Let's say, I mean, let's say a number of companies come to you after this conference, which is obviously a great outcome, and say, right, give us more of your product. We need to focus more on recycled. Are you going to have a, are you going to have a, a supply problem to them? Are you going to have a production problem with demand growing? How, how does the sort of feedstock side of things look for you? Uh, feedstock is there. So I can't say feedstock is not there. So what we've done over the last 10 years is we've taught people, the garment manufacturers here in India, 
how to manage their waste not to treat it as waste how to segregate it and recently we've actually launched a full blown circularity partnership where we are entering into partnerships with some of the biggest garment garment manufacturers in india some of the brands which work out of india in terms of sourcing and they will uh, kind of uh, uh, direct their waste to us and then they will get yarn back so i think it's picking up and we are already at 1000 tons per month and next year will be 1000 1500 tons per month so i guess uh, we should be growing very fast we have already perfected the business model our customers are some of the best brands in the world some of the biggest retail chains in the world some of the biggest discount brands in the world as well as premium brands and scalability of the model is already in place and we are kind of fast tracking it now what sort of percentage of factories are regarding waste as a resource they can sell to you rather than something that has to be shipped to landfill or incineration now give us a give us a, an idea of of how that looks at the moment well to to my mind whatever i have seen in india waste is hardly going for landfill some of it is still is like uh, if it's a polyester waste and uh, there is no system to use it or it is an elastane waste which is difficult to use but cotton waste here in india is being recycled the only difference is that when you recycle it what do you make out of it one would be you make a wadding out of it and put it into a quilt or you make a very low quality product out of it and make a very cheap uh, floor mat out of it but what usha does or what we have led the way here in india is to make it into a full blown reliable product traceability consistency in terms of uh, blend and uh, chemical compliance as i told you now that is where we define so once we are able to go through that process control that is what we have achieved and of course the systems in terms of quality management then we have some of the best brands in home textiles some of the best brands in garments talking to us and they want to adapt the technology they want to adapt the product they want to use it as now when this happens then i think consumption as well as sourcing and production everything starts falling into place so we are looking at it big time in terms of uh, sourcing the waste as well as in terms of selling the yarn i think see many challenges anymore i think we overcome all the challenges in cotton textile polyester recycling the challenges were probably met many years ago and now we've already covered up the cotton recycling challenges Well that's good to hear. Um how does the conversation start with a new customer from you? I mean you talk about western brands or you know coming in asking you for do, do they come in and ask about your sustainability credentials to try and meet their targets or is it price first always and then sustainability might be a differentiator? <laughs> <laughs> it's always there are both types of people so there could be a discount store which is attractive for the sake of price and of course there are several brands who come for sustainability credentials we've recently completed our compliance uh, on the x index 
recently completed our compliances on sustainability reporting and we see a lot of interest from a lot of customers who find interest on account of sustainability credentials and uh, uh, the impact uh, credentials on the material impact uh, credentials so i wouldn't say that there is no interest of course reliability of data consistency of data those are concerns and i guess we have overcome them now okay thank you um, and how about interest in setting incentives by by government either state or or national is the policy agenda changing to encourage supply of materials towards you and and does that vary enormously by state or is there a national approach to this because we often hear in many countries you know old laws or outdated incentives are holding back the idea of the circular economy we see this all the time is that conversation is that set of practices and policies is that changing for you in in uh, in chandigarh or elsewhere in india well, uh, I can only tell you that uh, in the last 10 years, I have seen a huge change in the approach of the sourcing companies, the buyers, the representative of brands. So from the time when they were coming and looking only for the best and quality, then came a time when they considered price also important to a time when they come looking for 20% recycled content, 10% recycled content, and they're going mad about it, how to find it. So I guess it is driven by policy. Policy is definitely a very important part and it has to come into place. Our company's motto of recycle to perfection, align with nature, that is always there that recycling is something that we cannot avoid. We will have to do it. We do it today. We do it tomorrow. We do it after five years. The sooner the better. So recycling into every system, every product, is a compulsion which nobody on earth can avoid that is what we believe here and we focus on recycling but policy of course tends to accelerate that policy of course tends to bring in the change as it should be so for hmm. me policy is something which is uh, important policy is something which actually tends to look uh, make things look very difficult in the beginning but as things happen it becomes de rigueur and the best example is a uh, pet bottle recycling polyester fiber something which looked like a big job 10 years ago is something which is absolutely normal today so these things are uh, not something that we should resist or think we are afraid of uh people there are people down the line like us who are already ready for helping people who want to take up recycling in a big way thank you thank you well you're painting an excellently positive picture of progress in the last five or ten years that's great to hear and um, we've got used to hearing <laughs> bad news in the last three or four years and it's nice to hear a positive story of of change and scale so thank you i'm sure there'll be questions to you from the audience so put them in the chat function or use the um uh, reactions button to raise your hand and i'll come to you to put your questions to anurag and meanwhile madeline um from a, a different perspective the other end of the value chain i suppose um what are your views on this subject of, of overcoming these barriers to circularity madeline yeah um so just for a little bit more background i suppose um 
um, around what we've been doing and um, our kind of approach. So I, as you know, I'm from Toast and I've been sort of leading the charge on our social conscience over over the last um, couple of years. And primarily that's me being um, responsible for driving our programme and our roadmap that we set out in 2020, keeping abreast of these developments, especially within um, one of those is within materials and recycled um, products and the infrastructure that is being developed. Um, and also ensuring that, that um, our social conscience is ingrained um, across the business and appropriately communicated. Um, so in the last two to three years, we've really taken the time to reassess what it means um, to, to us to be a responsible business and set out our immediate and, and long-term goals. Um, and our annual um, report, which was published at the beginning of the year, uh, was the first of its kind actually, and it outlines the progress against those commitments and the challenges that we face. So I can drop that into um into the chat actually at some point because for anyone who's interested but a few highlights really is just that um, we scaled back our collections to produce 20% fewer styles and reduced um, the number of drops we have um, from six to three um, and our hope in doing that really is to reshape buying habits and advocate for quality um, and longevity um, so with kind of circularity in mind one of the one of the key things for us is around the use and the ongoing use of garments um, and products so we expanded toast renewal um, which is our free repair service so we invested in our team of um, repair specialists um, and since launching that uh, we've um, which was about a year ago now um, with that expansion um, we've repaired more than 1,500 worn garments which um we're really proud of and through that what we're really hoping to do is get people to change the relationship they have with their with their clothing so while it's brilliant to have the infrastructure to eventually recycle these items it's how can we really extend their life before we get to recycling because recycling really should be the last um option um and then through Toast Circle, which is our clothes swapping initiative, um, we um, where customers can come into one of our 20 store locations across the UK um, and swap um, their items. And we've enabled 2000 swaps so far since we launched back in 2019. Um, so I think one of the interesting, so I just want to pick up on a couple of things that were said about um, feedstock and um, when it comes to... Um, when it comes to recycling in particular, there's a really interesting look at, as an industry, we really want to be reducing the amount of waste we're actually producing. So while recycling and circularity offers up an opportunity to, um, to use that waste, if we're not at the same time reducing production in, with virgin materials, then we're not really, um, we're almost creating a solution for a system that still remains linear. Um, so I think um, that's just a couple of things that have been coming up in our kind of conversations is um, kind of how can you, the sort of with swapping and, and resale models, um, you could argue um, that they still kind of perpetuate this idea of, of consumerism, but um, what they do do, um, is they still satisfy that kind of um, non-material need that humans kind of have around 
identity, um, participation, freedom in, in of choice in terms of what you want to wear, because people are always going to um, feel good about having something different. Um, it's a part of the human psyche. So I think it's um, what's really interesting to me is um, how you can really extend the life of garments um, before you get to that recycling um, re recycling area. But um, it's an area that we're really diving into at the moment in terms of um, both, both post-consumer and pre-consumer waste and how can we start to pull on those. Um, like for example, um, how could we begin to use more um, recycled yarns within our collections? And one of the barriers actually that we find with some of the, with some of the teams is that they don't retain the same quality. So I'd be really interested to know if you come up against those barriers actually, um, Anurag, and if there is that argument with um, customers around the quality of the recycled yarn versus virgin, and how do we really change that thinking to get people to understand that it's still the better choice? Well, that's a great question for Anurag. I mean, in, in the last session, we had a conversation about exactly this and Stephen Bethel was saying, you know, one of the things we need to do is need to change the way, the mindset of design so that we're designing in things that we want that are actually um, points of difference, right? So just because it doesn't look the same as something that was unsustainable doesn't mean it's bad, but we perhaps need to change our mindset and how we're positioning products. So Anurag, really interested to hear your views on, on Madeline's question. Uh, yes, first of all, what you said, Toby, what Madeline's question, uh, that is something which is very close to my heart because right now we are processing post-industrial and I see a huge interest in post-consumer. And I think I have 80 to 90% of the processes in place, but I have been, you know, I don't leave an opportunity whenever I get to try and promote the idea of monomaterials, designing for circularity, and I even go to the extent if I get an opportunity for a legislative, uh, somebody from the legislative side hearing it, I would like to propose a ease of recycling index. If you can tax anything, not just clothes, any product, on the basis of ease of recycling, it would actually push the designer of a product to design a uh, product that it can be recycled because when you put an index to it, you can tax it along the index. So if it is easy to recycle, you can tax it lesser. If it is very difficult to recycle, you tax it more. So it becomes a disincentive. I've never missed this opportunity of ease of recycling, that idea I've been pushing it for some, I don't know how viable it is. There's a question whether it is viable or not. Well, this is not uh, something which is in my control. There, there's a huge uh, spectrum of people looking at it, thinking that it is my job to just keep on pushing my idea. And now coming to the compromise in quality, uh, well, obviously, if it is mechanical recycling, there will be some compromise in quality. But then, not always do you need that quality. With fast fashion, on one hand, we say we are going to discard it after without even tending to wash it and wear it again. And on one hand, we want a quality which will last 10 years or five years. So the two, two ideas don't come together. So 
quality is something of course the quality is good enough that is why it is being accepted for garmenting in the mainstream brand but then uh, if you really want to know more about it then i can only say that quality is good enough and it is good enough to the extent it is required so if, if you are disposing it off without washing it then you don't need more than that probably you are over designing if you are taking a very high quality now so this is one thing and then it is all about focusing on the whole concept of recycling everything we are i can propose that you build a garment out of egyptian cotton bring it back to me it should be designed in a way that it can be recycled bring it back to me <coughs> i will recycle it and bring it make it into a new t-shirt which you can again bring it back to me i will recycle it and you can make it into a curtain you bring it back to me i will recycle it and make it into an insulation so the fiber that originated in egypt can be uh, put in for four lives instead of one single life so and going in for a landfill so it's all about how you focus on the idea how you put up the chain how serious you are about it how much legislation can help to make people serious about it how much honest intention about uh, the environment can make you focus about it how much your own uh, interest economic interest can uh, make you focus about it so i guess all these things have to come together economic interest legislation your own dedication to saving the environment so i, I it has to be a mix of all those things but there are very very simple solutions to all these ideas provided there is a uh, meeting of the right people who because uh, uh, sitting here in india maybe i cannot do it alone then the brand has to be on board then the customer has to be on the board on board the government has to be on board the designer has to be on board so to build up that momentum is something which i guess will happen i am pretty optimistic that there is no way this will not happen how long it takes or how soon it happens is only a matter of time Excellent. I'm loving your relentless optimism, Nurag. This is great. You know, we spend far too much time sort of doing conversational equivalent of doom scrolling at these conversations. You know, just how terrible it is. And here's a Nurag turns up saying, "We can fix it." I like it. Uh, this is great. Well, look, Mark. Um, so look, there's some great chat comments coming in now. Chana Rosenthal says that your idea is viable, a needs of recycling index. So Chana, if you don't mind, I might come to you in a minute and you can tell us why on video. But before I do that, Mark Lepestro, Lepresto has volunteered uh, to be first to come in and, and, and ask his question, which is a, a complex one. So Mark, are you there? Turn on, your, turn on your video and audio and put your question to Anurag and Madeline. Mark, there you are. Yeah, hi. I'm not sure about my bandwidth for video, so I may turn that off if it interferes with the uh, the yeah. audio. <clears throat> but uh, Anurag, um, I was just interested in as you uh, began your journey in introducing recycled content, and you, of course, came into challenges with the quality of the yarn not uh, matching a virgin alternative or you know just uh, pure cotton. I was wondering to what extent the brands you found brands that could sort of accommodate the transitional process where you were refining the process um, and gradually improving your quality and whether they either, you know, um, found other applications um, 
or lowered their either lowered their standards or found other applications where the yarn where they were buying it and using it, but in a way that at a, and at a price that wasn't heavily discounted, but sort of was supportive and economical in some way for your efforts. If you understand my question. I, I would say that it's a mix of all those things. Price also tends to be a attraction. At the same time, the pressure on the brands from the legislative side to add recycled content, the pressure of the brand from the SDG side to show that they are uh, having to add recycled content. And of course, they are skeptical because uh, when we say brand, that implies a lot. A person sitting in one country wants to sell his goods all across the globe. So he has to be sure that uh, there is consistency. It will not let him down uh, on or her down in some corner of the world. So they have to be very sure. So I guess those were the challenges more than the fact that it was a little bit of a compromise in quality. That was something which was uh, acceptable, not something which was, of course, they would test it, they would benchmark it, they would come account and accommodate to the idea that there is going to be a minor compromise on quality. But uh, there were other questions like, of course, price would attract them. But the biggest challenge for the brand was to have consistency and compliances. And that is what took us also a long time to uh, you know, achieve and be able to convince them that here we are ready for you now. Thank you. Uh, Mark, would you mind just telling us who you work with? Um, normally, we ask people to just to say who, they, who they're working with when they do a Q&A, if that's okay. Oh, you're on mute, Mark. <laughs> you're on mute. There it goes. Okay. Uh, just quickly, I was uh, actually a co-founder of Perpetual, uh, which owns uh, Polygenta in India and is a chemical recycler of uh, PET bottles into making filament yarn. And so we went through sort of a similar journey and process. I'm now um, just doing independent consulting for recycling projects, uh, one in Africa, and I'm working on developing a consortium for um, textile to textile, um, uh, basically licensing a textile to textile uh, factory in, in Europe, but that's very, very early stages. Well, that's great. And if you want to connect with Mark or with Anurag or with Madeline, remember, we do have a networking function on Pathable. Uh, we pay for it. So please use it. Uh, and uh, and you can actually then connect with each other and share email addresses and all of that stuff while we, we get to abide by GDPR and all that kind of thing. So if you want to know more about Mark's work or Anurag's or Madeline's, connect on the networking function of Pathable. Um, Chana, can I, Chana, can I come to you now? Chana Rosenthal, you made uh, a very interesting point there. I'd like to know more. Chana, tell us why it's viable to have an ease of recycling index and tell us who you work for, please. Um, sure. I'm actually an independent consultant. Um, it's called Redesign Consulting, and but I'm here representing uh, NYU, uh, New York University and the Center for Sustainable Business. Um, so I, I think what's interesting is, you know, we've uncovered covered uh, information in the last, you know, there's been a lot in the plastics industry and we're continually uncovering more information. Um, I think that um, indices are always good, but they also have to be fueled by accurate um, information. So it's not good if the data isn't verifiable and real. Um, but what a recent report, and it's through NPR. So again, I, I believe it's a credible source, but obviously everything you 
it has to be vetted and insured. But, you know, just in talking about uh, plastic and how viable it actually is to recycle. And my concern here is that we as an industry have sort of sort of predicated a lot of our circularity and recyclability on the notion to focus on polyester and um, what we're uncovering now is that it actually is expensive and they always knew it, right? The plastic industry actually always knew it. It was a marketing ploy to get people to continue to consume and produce so that um, the money could be made. Um, so I think in having an index where there's sort of an understanding of what can be recycled and how like easy it is to do so might then influence brand's decisions to incorporate those fibers into their textiles. So for example, and, and I think it's, you know, a lot, the industry shifted to polyester for um, lower costs, right? It's much cheaper to incorporate poly and um, shift away from monofiber, such as 100% cotton, because polyester is cheaper and you've seen an influx in cotton prices over the years, right? And it continues as we move towards organic and regenerative farming, it's costly. So it's cheaper to go into plastic. But if we sort of in, include an index that sort of um, helps understand that it actually is more expensive to recycle and therefore it is not viable for the future um, of the industry that we're shifting to in terms of sustainability, um, then we'll know that those prices need to be incorporated into that product as well. So I think it's looking at um, the inputs holistically in terms of what's going in, but also then how plausible it is to actually circulate it um, on the outset. So I think, um, I think understanding more is, is certainly helpful. So, Chana, how do we take this idea further then? I mean, it's the kind of thing you think about. I mean, I'm no expert at all in this. You think, why hasn't this been done before? Um, so how should, you know, how can this happen? Um, well, I think for one, um, and it's largely overlooked, I think the um, partnership with uh, investors, I think, I think as an industry, we are so um, focused internally that, and I think there was other talks where we talk about all of the industry players. I think getting academia <laughs> involved and getting investors involved and sort of helping to um, incorporate all of the, uh, I guess, all of the uh, indicators and metrics that we need in order to um, make decisions that we can change effectively, I think um, are important. So I think, um, I mean, academia, I think, is a great place to start, but you can't do that without having uh, money invest investment in order to actually create these things. So I think um, taking industry and partnering with, um, yeah, with others, other key stakeholders is, is how we do it. So, so we should talk to Textile Exchange about this, clearly, because they have... You know they have that cross-industry role and perhaps this is already happening so apologies to to them and others if it already already is but yes academic institutions very important um we did a podcast not long ago with uh Tonsi whelan who works for the uh stern school of business and she and i were talking about institutional memory in companies and it's one thing if if you're like a norag or maybe you you're, you you run the business or you own the business for years but in lots of brands people turn over so quickly they don't remember stuff and then and i see companies turning up at our conferences i've been doing these for over 20 years now and they don't remember that five years ago they used to be good <laughs> and then everybody left 
<laughs> and then they stop doing stuff. And this kind of institutional memory is really, really important um, because companies are terrible at knowledge management when they have high turnover. Um, and that's where the role of academia comes in, right? To help remind them of, of how this stuff can be, can, can fit into organizational memory and continue to be managed. Of course, it's getting easier now that it's fitted into targets and things you can't necessarily get away from. But um, certainly involving uh, your university and others would clearly be important. So uh, thanks for volunteering to help take this forward. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll come back to that. Now, um, there are some other comments and questions here in the chat. We've had Mark, we've had Chana volunteered. Who else would like to, to come forward and make a comment uh, related to this or other areas that we've been talking about? I see Lauren had a few comments. Lauren, are you brave enough to join us on screen and make your point? Are you there, Lauren? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Hi. So I'm putting you on the spot here. This is how I force us to have an interactive discussion. Right. Yeah, no problem. I'm just in a quiet room in the office. Um, maybe I could ask ask a, another question. I've I've really enjoyed the discussion so far. Um, we focused on these topics. I'm wondering about the back onto like the repair and the kind of keeping clubs like in circulation as as clubs part. If manufacturers are, if anyone's aware of manufacturers that are already maybe looking to pivot or add to their business model for like refurbishing garments or, or repairing. I know within a very global supply chain that can be difficult, but you know, apparel manufacturing does exist globally. So I'm wondering if, yeah, this is a topic of conversation that anyone's aware of. Okay, thank you. You can use the chat function as well and I'll ask Nurek and Madeline if they know. Lauren, briefly, who do you work for? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I work for a company called Pentatonic in Berlin and London. Um, we're a circular economy consultancy. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, sorry, so, do, you mind, do you mind just repeating your question? Was it about are there are about um, repair facilities kind of glo on a global scale? Yeah, obviously the repair services exist, you know, in cities and things like this. I'm wondering if big manufacturers, apparel manufacturers, are looking to kind of diversify their service offering to um, either remanufacture like defect, you know, B grade or these kind of things, or actually go into like specific like piece by piece repair of of apparel. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll jump in, Toby, if that's okay. Um, I, I'm not, I think it's a really good point because obviously the skills um, exist in those um, facilities. I'm not aware of it happening at massive scale um, within manufacturing um, kind of um, areas. But I think it's, it would be very interesting and one of the ways in which we could start to scale some of the initiatives beyond what, how they, beyond the existence. So in our case, for example, with um, Toast Renewal, it's a repair service that we're really proud to be able to offer free of charge to um, anyone who's bought Toast Garment at any point, um, and they'd like to have it repaired, um, whether that's visibly or invisibly. Um, and one of the big things around that is we really want to be able to continue to scale and also do that on a global scale. So we are a global business. And I think if um, you also have that, um, the kind of the, uh, the transportation of, of items as well. So if you can get um, repair um, services up and running or facilities up and running within manufacturer, within factories, um, and they start to shift their business models to offer that 
as well. I think that that sounds brilliant. And as I say, I'm not totally aware um, of any myself, but I'd be really interested to ask some of my colleagues um, after this. Thank you. Anurag, do you have any comment on this? So in my opinion, uh, it's only companies like Toast which can take it up. The brands, the, the, the whole idea of industrial revolution, mass production, repair doesn't really fit into the scheme of things as far as I can you know, imagine or kind of visualize a situation. It has to be independent companies like Toast which can scale it up, try and scale it up, build up a business model of scaling it up. To expect a brand to do that, I'm not sure if they, it will be an area of attention for them or an idea which will suit them as a business case. They would prefer to take it back for recycling. I, I can foresee a time very soon where you can return your piece of clothing for another one and they would have tied up to recycle it. But to repair it is some, something which, in my opinion, uh, is not something which is going to be done by a big brand. It has to be an independent organization like Toast, which can scale it up. Thank you. Well, we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, we can finish a bit early if we need to. Just to flag Nikki Cole's comment, uh, which looks really interesting. Um, she says, we're in the middle of a research of research for Cascade for cotton circularity. We want to develop natural resources strong enough for longevity recycling several rounds and finally be good enough to feed the soil as nutrition now that is fantastic we can make that work so if any of you have suggestions for nikki um she's got a handle tagline now i don't know maybe that's some sort of twitter or other handle but you can always message her on the platform or put a comment in here um that sounds like a fantastic innovation if we can find it and, and i was recommending talking to the folks at cotton connect who we do a lot of work with um, we've just done a study with them looking at how they can take uh, their sustainability code and move it from farm level up um, uh, to ginners and spinners in Gujarat and, and what the, the possibilities are there for doing that. We'll be producing a public report on that in the next month or so, making suggestions based on research on how um, we can avoid the problem of just having sustainable factories or just having sustainable field production without necessarily having a shift up the supply chain. Um, and of course, you, you have a whole series of different dynamics there, uh, as we all know. So that'll be coming out soon. Um, Nikki, there you are. Did you want to come in and say something? You're on mute at the moment. And tell, and tell us a bit about who you work for as well, Nikki. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you for letting me talk. Um, I'm working for a uh, agriculture, regenerative agriculture uh, firm in India and uh, we approach it very holistically. It's a food and fiber um, system in which we use cotton as a tool to connect brands to take the responsibility to directly invest from the seed onwards. Um, and of course um, in that we do see in this whole world that we if you talk about circularity it's a lot about um, the R's, the reuse, um, the recycle etc. But the first ingredient needs to be healthy for the planet as well. And sometimes I feel that's really not um, taken as important as it should be. That was the only remark I would like to make. Yeah, uh, a very valid one, thank you. Anyone care to comment on that? Um, I think we're probably all in agreement, aren't we? <laughs> we can all agree by nodding vigorously, unless we have anything else we want to add on that point. Okay, 
Great. Well, anyone else want to come in and make a comment or question? Uh, we've, we've covered a lot of ground, uh, but I think we've made an interesting contribution to the conference. And of course, um, you can all connect with each other separately on the, on the networking system, as I mentioned. Lucy, thank, for your, thank you for your comment. Uh, getting a repair service up and running could provide new sources of employment for workers. Of course, a very good point. Um, I guess yeah, I did just want to jump in just because I know we've only got a few minutes left, but it was sure. interesting. I saw another um, comment earlier around having a quality for um, fast fashion versus a quality for longevity. And I thought that that um, someone raised the point that that doesn't necessarily match the vision for circularity. And I think that that's a very good point. Um, and I think that there is a danger of falling into um circularity and recycling becoming a, um, a solution um, for some a solution for um, these big kind of giants who are creating um, just continue to produce um, and then you're able to recycle so that provides your solution but so you think that you're you're kind of perceived to be doing the right thing but you're continuing to produce at mass mass scale and I think that that's um, that that isn't um, the purpose of the circular economy, in my view. Yeah, we, you're absolutely right. And we, the criticisms of the big FMCG food companies producing lots of single-use plastics are often based around that. They're simply having a target for recycled content as a percentage yeah. of overall single-use plastic, which is a contaminated waste stream, which only really works with chemical recycling, the infrastructure for which doesn't yet properly exist at scale and that and, and doing so simply propagates that existing existing business model of selling small things in in plastic which by the way 15 20 years ago we we're all celebrating as bottom of the pyramid products for for countries like india where you could have a very small single-use item which engaged people in the economy but now of course you've got all those you know unilever weren't talking about that 20 years ago when we were celebrating them for for um uh, what's the soap brand they have in India? Life Boy. Um, but of course, now you've got all the plastic pollution from that. Just goes to show how complex uh, things like packaging are. Um, and we do run a sustainable plastics event. And I can tell you all in the apparel sector, if you think it's hard for you, you try being in plastics and <laughs> packaging. It's really, really difficult there because you have exactly those kind of problems that you've just mentioned, Madeline. Um, and, uh, and yeah. That's where legislation comes in, actually. Sometimes when we feel that there is greed, then obviously on one hand there are the institutions, the intelligentsia, the academia, and then of course legislation. So it's a fine cycle which has to be round and this is where we feel the, the importance of legislation. There can be innovators, there can be uh, the intelligentsia, there can be the industry. So legislation cannot be wished away, whether it is a ease of recycling index or a sustainability index. Legislation is what will actually push the change, which could be designed by somebody who offers a solution, which could be brought to focus by some intelligence or research group. So we, yeah. can't, I mean, we can't really hate legislation. That's the way it has to be. Yes, uh, good point. Uh, we have to be very careful what that legislation creates in terms of unintended consequences. So I'm, I'm involved in something I've helped set up called the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, and we're creating a global reference standard for sustainability in wine. 
And there's a deposit return schemes that have been created, which if enacted, will cause absolute chaos because the, the intention is good, but the reality of what happens on the ground, if you use extended producer responsibility to force everyone who places something on the market to take it back, you've got multiplicity of, of, of returns and it, cause, it can cause absolute chaos. Um, and so this, this need to fund clever infrastructure for recycling is a good part of extended producer responsibility, i.e. you put this on the market, you pay a tax equivalent that funds recycling infrastructure. But it's just that that infrastructure and the return schemes for it have to be very carefully targeted. Otherwise, you can end up with complete chaos. With every shop that sells <laughs> a can of Coke or a, or a glass bottle or a packaging haven't been forced to take that packaging back. That isn't efficient either. So we have to be very careful about how we do that. But if you want to know about that, we run an entire conference on that. <laughs> it's in October. Um, you can join us and you can feel better about the complexities of apparel by, by trying to work out solutions for single-use contaminated plastic <laughs> in, in the circular economy. Um, it's very complex indeed, as are, of course, all of the subjects we focus on here. And thank you so much for your frank uh, remarks, Nurek and Madeline. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me.